Welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media. We provide business professionals with insights and ideas for protecting their people from the vast array of threats facing organizations today. Each week, you'll hear advice and best practices from an experienced safety leader. Here's your host, Peter Steinfeld. Well, I hope you all had a safe and productive week. Today's guest is Vanessa Matthews, founder and chief resilience officer at Asphalus Advisors, a crisis management and continuity planning services provider. She also hosts the podcast Business Resilience Decoded with Vanessa Matthews and is a certified business continuity planner. Vanessa has more than 15 years experience in emergency management at organizations such as the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, Gulfstream Aerospace, and Lowe's. In this episode, Vanessa breaks down her playbook for activating corporate safety and security leaders to develop belonging cultures and equitable teams. She also discusses how building diverse and equitable teams helps organizations better mitigate risks, which I know you'll find fascinating. I've had the pleasure of hearing Vanessa speak at several conferences in the past, and her passion for this topic really shines in our conversation. Let's listen in. Vanessa, welcome. Great to see you again. Thanks for being here. What are some of the trends and themes that you're seeing when it comes to both belonging and equity in the workplace? So I think about it from two lenses. One is what we're seeing with clients and then two, looking back at what some of the data points out. So what's interesting is that there's a misconception that diversity means black and brown faces and we don't necessarily think about all of the other dimensions and aspects of diversity. So I think we have an opportunity with the general public, right, especially in the safety and security space to really change what that misconception is. Another thing that we're seeing is that employers have diversity, equity, and inclusion goals from a recruitment perspective, yet on the selection committee or the interview panels, there is absolutely minimal diversity within the organization. And that might be for a different number of reasons, right? It could be because this one particular department that's hiring just may not have that strength or that capability yet, or there could be a lack of awareness, right? So there's a challenge with how do we bring people in, but the filtering mechanism for how people get through the company, it's not necessarily strong in their diversity. There's also a few data points that I think is pretty helpful for this audience. So McKinsey put out a study and it shared that Black employees are overrepresented in frontline and underrepresented in leadership. And so when we think about, well, what are some of the challenges that Black and Indigenous people of color might be facing within the workplace, there's three things that continuously come up. One is acceptance, two is authenticity, and the third is values. And so looking at those three components, what we're seeing is there's a trust deficit with minorities, specifically BIPOC communities within the workplace. And so to answer your question about themes and things that we're seeing in the workplace, I would kind of boil all of this down to We're seeing that risk in security, lack in diversity as an industry. We're having a really hard time with moving the needle. Secondly, our progress is very slow overall. And thirdly, there's challenges when we talk about responsibility versus accountability and how do we hold organizations and leaders up to a standard so that we can continue to see the change that we want to see. Well, I think it illustrates that we have a long way to go. So with that in mind, what's the role of the safety or security leader in creating a belonging work culture? So I think overall, if I was listening and I was a safety or security leader listening to this podcast, I would want them to know that the accountability and the responsibility really lie solely in your hands. And while your chief diversity officer or your chief risk officer might be great partners for you, you still are responsible, right? 
And so your workforce is really leading on you to help with that. There's a few things I think that are important for this audience to know. There is a people of color in publishing and Latinx in publishing survey that was conducted across those two organizations. And they both serve as grassroots organizations that are sharing the same value of uplifting marginalized people within the professional setting. This specific context is taken from the publishing realm, but I think what's interesting is that there are parallels to public safety and security. So one of those things was modifying. And over 200 people took this survey across 2018 through 2022, and 61% of those participants said that they have to modify themselves to fit into the work culture at work, right? The second thing that I thought was pretty interesting is they have a category of white fragility and bystander racism. And so if we think about, well, what does white fragility mean? It's a term that has been coined to define the discomfort and the defensiveness that a Caucasian person may experience if they're confronted about information as it relates to injustice or racial inequality. And so 92% of those survey respondents have experienced being the only Black Indigenous person of color, I'll coin that as BIPOC, in a meeting, right? The third thing that this survey pointed out are microaggressions. 72% of participants said that they have experienced microaggressions in the workplace. From an HR perspective, 87% of participants said that they have experienced racism or microaggressions. However, of the 87%, 76% do not report those to HR. So what does that mean? That means people are coming to work. They're modifying. They cannot be themselves. When they have to share their experience with the majority of people who they work with, some people are very defensive, which is not inviting and it's not a safe space. Thirdly, There might be things that are said or done, coined as microaggressions that make people feel uncomfortable in the workplace. And then you couple that with, I'm supposed to go to HR and talk about it, but I can't go to HR because literally data shows that people don't feel safe going to human resources. And if you think about the demographics of an HR department, I can understand that. And so it leads to number five, which is mental health. And so what we're seeing is specifically Black Indigenous people of color are literally coming to work and having to take more days off to handle concerns around mental health. And so what I think the bigger conversation is with safety and security leaders is it's not just about guns, gates, and guards. It's not just about protecting the physical assets. It's not just about protecting executives and looking at travel and looking at security cameras, but it's really about who else needs you to protect them in the workplace? And how are you paying attention to that, right? So in what ways are you protecting people? Who feels safe at work? Who does not feel safe? How do you as a leader make yourself aware of how they feel? And then lastly, how are you addressing it within the organization and also as a partner in the business to the CEO, to the head of HR? And how are you helping to dismantle some of these experiences that employees are coming to work with? So to me, that all points back to culture. So can you share any great examples of leaders who influenced organizational culture changes? So that's a great question. In the introduction, you uh, referenced the podcast that As Follows Advisors and and DRJ co-owns, Business Resilience Decoded. So what's interesting is in 2020, when George Floyd was murdered, I got a phone call from a few peers in the industry that said, you need to do a podcast on this conversation. And I was like, you're, you're crazy. Like that's career limiting. No one's ever going to hire me again. I don't talk about this stuff. I'll just be mad and upset at home. And they said, well, if you think about the industry, 
how many other women of color do not work for a corporation? And how many of them would speak out about this? So I was like, (laughs) I still don't want to do it, but I did it. And so what I did was I said, okay, well, let me think about, I know I'm angry and I'm upset because I just know what it felt like for me and my family, right? And it hurt. Like it felt like I was related to him and I don't even know him. So my goal was have a conversation, but address it to the industry. But how do I give our industry something tangible that we can walk away with? And so it's not just filled with anger, but it's also filled with hope. And where do we go from here? So long story short, I recorded a podcast episode and This year, in March of 2022, I was in Charleston, South Carolina for a conference. And I ran across a gentleman who I've known for the past two years virtually. And he said, Vanessa, I have something to tell you. And I said, well, what's that? He works for a power company. And he said, I wanted you to know that I listened to your podcast on George Floyd and it hit. And I was like, you listen to the podcast? And he said, actually, I played it and I was kind of upset with you because I didn't really agree with you. He said, but the more that I thought about it, I took your podcast to work and I played it to my entire team because a lot of those people are BIPOC. And he said, and what's interesting is after I played your podcast, they begin to talk to me. So I don't have like, you know, a Forbes or a New York Times person that's been recognized, but everyday people I get a lot of comments and people who do reach out to me. And I've always felt like maybe if I did that podcast, it would come back and do harm. But I didn't necessarily think about how it could be used as a mechanism to just start the conversation. Because that's really, that's the goal, right? Is no matter where you are and no matter what the status of your program is from a diversity perspective and the safety and security lens, it starts with a conversation. Like everything in business is a conversation and a relationship. And it's interesting that he was able to take that podcast and use it as a conversation starter to help see change and evoke change, but also to think about how he can listen to his team, even if he doesn't have a solution yet, right? But how can you listen to what they need from you? And so that's, that's, that's my example. No, that's fantastic. And I think it's important to realize that this is not a sprint that you finish in one meeting. This is just an ongoing thing that we're going to live with for many, many years in the future. And to your point, you just have to start the conversation Did you happen to ask him what made him feel like he needed to play that episode to them? Well, I didn't necessarily ask the question, but if I could guess, and it's so funny because in preparing for today's conversation, I had to re-listen to that podcast and I could feel the raw emotion. And even today it made me cry. And on the podcast, I cried. I've I've never cried. Like I'm pretty, you know, tough outside, you know. (laughs) (laughs) super soft on the inside. Um, But I think it was a couple things. One, we're in the same industry. Two, my goal was one of the big themes I, I talked about in the podcast is the Department of Homeland Security says, if you see something, then say something, right? And crises don't have conditions. And so it's our job as risk professionals, as security professionals to speak the truth and to talk about the risks that are happening And unfortunately, in our industry, we tend to say, well, diversity and inclusion is that department over there. It has nothing to do with me. Well, just like safety and security is everyone's responsibility, so is equity and inclusion. And so I think it was being able to speak to the murder 
the concept of DEI and what's working and what's not working in corporate, but then thirdly, to be able to tie it back to the industry and, and give our industry a call to action. And you are not exempt from this movement. <laughs> you, you very much have a place whether you want to agree with it or not. And you either need to get on the train or figure out how to maybe get the train to slow down so we can get you on. <laughs> yep, yep. No, that's great. So it sounds like he really wanted to change the culture of that organization and develop a really high-performing team, which kind of leads into my next question. In your opinion, what is the roadmap to developing high-performing teams? I know that you have a blueprint for success on this and would love it if you could share it with the audience. Yeah, so what's, what's interesting is every organization is probably at a different space, right? Just like a typical maturity model for us security program, company A might be in a different place of maturity than company B. Um, but the blueprint at a high level is to create, expand, and to reevaluate. So for some companies, and I'll specifically speak to corporate safety and security departments, while your company may have a goal and may have objectives, or they may not, right, regardless, if your department hasn't started anything yet, then your job is to create. If your department is saying, you know, hey, we're a little bit more mature, our company has set these goals, then downstream, we've set our own departmental goals and things that we want to see, then your goal is to expand. If you're a part of an organization where you've been doing it a while, you have traction, you're seeing some of the results, then your goal is to reevaluate what's working and what may not be working and how do we shift and, and do something different. But what's interesting is that you can't create, expand, or reevaluate if you don't model, connect, and involve the people who you serve. Mm, that's well put. Is a safety or security leader who's listening thinks, oh, you know, that's really great, but where should I begin? What would you say to them? So, <laughs> like a typical safety and security executive, right? One of the things that I think is super great about our profession is we like to see things before we start diving into it so we know what we're truly looking for. So our tagline in our business is we help you see so you can solve. And I think that's where you start, right, is what are you seeing so we can appropriately solve for the right things? If you can't see it, you can't solve for it. So first, I would say that there is no right answer with where you start. It, it could be I listened to this podcast. I brought it home. I took it into my office and I and I had a conversation that we've never had in 30 years. However, a great place to look is to do a content analysis and take a look at whether it's internal or external, emails, websites, intranet, internal communications, and external communications. And the question that I think people should consider as they evaluate if this is a great first step for you is who do you market? What common themes do you see in what the organization or you as a department may be putting out? Who might be excluded? whether it's intentional or unintentional. And how do you then think about, based on what we're publishing, based upon what we're putting out here in the market, is there something that we should be doing differently? So for example, if I'm looking to recruit diverse talent, well, if none of my pictures reflect diverse talent, then how likely is it that a diverse candidate is going to feel welcome here? Probably not, <laughs> right? And so just considering what we're communicating and how we're communicating and what images we're using for example, I worked in corporate America and our chief risk officer, he had an event at a plantation. I don't want to go. Like for obvious reasons. <laughs> and in their mind, they thought it was a great idea. It was a great event space and it really was, but I don't want to go. And so no one had considered, oh, well, we have different people who have different backgrounds, who have different experiences, and that might be something that's offensive, right? So just 
I think it's taking a second step to consider and being four years married, I am learning <laughs> firsthand experience how to be considerate of other people, especially my spouse. <laughs> it's one of the hardest things to do. Uh, someone gave me some advice once. They said, use a prop, have like three or four sets of glasses and then label the glasses uh, with whatever perspective that is for that person, the age group, whatever it is, and then put them on and then reestablish what you want to do in the situation based on that perspective as best as you can mimic it since you're not that person. And it just breaks your way of thinking. And then you start going, oh, okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm not thinking about this the right way. That's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't mine. Someone gave it to me. I won't take full credit. <laughs> <laughs> so after conducting analysis, what steps can they take to create a belonging and equitable team culture? Yeah. So if you are creating, I think it does start with the conversation because at our company, we have really modeled the book called Traction by Gina Wickman. And I love Traction. It's literally like my business Bible. But one thing I love about Traction is there's an issues component. And what it talks about is every company has issues and issues should not be comfortable in your business. You should turn on the light and they should illuminate and they should be solved and get out of here. And then let's find the next issue that we need to solve and continue to go through that process. Equity, inclusion, belonging, how safe people feel or how safe they do not feel at work are problems that should not be hiding in your business. We should be able to talk about it and bring it out. The second thing, if you're creating, is to analyze the current state of your diversity, equity, and inclusion program. And specifically, what are you responsible for? And I mean, like, ask yourself that question as, as an executive leader. No, what am I responsible for, right? And as a CEO, I've had to ask myself, hey, I'm now bringing on, you know, a year ago, we had four people. Our team has now tripled in size. But I still have to ask myself the question, so what are you responsible for as their leader, what do you have to do? What values do you have to exemplify? Where do you have to show up? Or how do you have to show up differently? Or where might you need to humble yourself, right? And so I think in the same token, safety and security leaders have to ask ourselves the same question. The third thing is to deliberately focus on your gaps. So one of my gaps is I come off of mute way too soon. <laughs> <laughs> And I can see my team thinking and processing and trying to figure it out, but they'll never do that if I'm always a helicopter mom and trying to jump in, right? And so I have to deliberately focus that that is a gap for me and I have to work on that. It's like I told my husband when I first met him, when he proposed, he said, well, what do you need, need from me? And I said, I really don't care what kind of car you drive. I really don't care how much money you make. I just want you to be consistently consistent. That's it. So if you open the door today, you better open it in 12 more years. If you cook today, I need you to cook again tomorrow. <laughs> That's fantastic. So if you're expanding your, your DE&I, then just be consistent and be consistently consistent. That's it. If you're also expanding, you know, I always say when I think about diversity, it's not okay for sales and marketing to fail in any business. Literally, if you think about who leads sales and marketing for your company right now, if it failed, they would be fired. Why is diversity any different? Right? So what gets measured gets managed or what gets funded gets managed. Number three, you have to address the equity for your BIPOC employees on many fronts. It's about culture. It's about pay equity. How many of them are not receiving fair pay for their white counterparts? 
and the sponsorship to those leadership levels. That's a significant challenge that we see going back to the McKinsey report. And you can look at across corporate America as a spectrum. We are great at recruiting for entry-level roles, but we're not great at how do we move people into executive leadership positions and specifically within corporate safety, security, and risk. And the number four from an expand perspective is to act more boldly than you have in the past. We got to be bold, right? If you are reevaluating your program. So what I think about in this context is, and I'm not really a Tom Brady fan, but because I like football, whenever Tom Brady comes to the Super Bowl, he's not running the same place. Yeah. Therefore, why should your DE&I or your security program be any different? Nobody's running the same place from 20 years ago in corporate security. If they are, you've been breached by now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right? So if Super Bowl champs don't run the same place, then you shouldn't either. And so reevaluate is reimagine when you're good, what's the next place for you to go? Because you can also lose that spot, right? We have clients who are number one in their markets and they've lost those spots because of different things that have transpired across the business. So hold you and your managers accountable and responsible for DE&I, period. So in my company, everybody has to own a number. What number are you responsible for? And that number tells me what we're doing from a performance perspective and if it's working. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves as leaders is, what can you accomplish without accountability? I can't even graduate college without accountability. That's right. Right? DE&I inside of your department is no different. Also, if you're reevaluating, consider rewarding what works. Oftentimes in corporate America, we reward what doesn't work. But what would happen if we rewarded what worked? And how do we think about that and be more intentional about being and paying more attention to what people are doing and how they're doing it, right? Another component of this is to commit to continued investment. So if we could have figured out the challenges with diversity and inclusion, we probably would have done it by now. Which means that you may not be the expert to help solve the problem. And that's fine. But commit to the investment and to hire someone who will. And then I'll put a caveat in here. If we hire diverse talent and BIPOC vendors and suppliers, pay them their value, just like you would any other business. You can't shortcut it because it's the ENI. No, your culture matters. And there's so much data that's out there that points to the ROI that you get back on your business. And lastly, reassess your baseline and update your playbook just like you would your, your security program. It sounds like it should almost be like an R&D department where you're constantly willing to take risks, be bold, be brave, try things. They may work, they may not, but that's the only way you're going to move forward. Absolutely. Well, in your mind, what's the biggest takeaway that people listening to this conversation or making these decisions for their organizations can walk away with today? It's three major questions and then one comment, and we'll kind of end where we started. Question number one is, how do you model who you want to serve? So I think about my clients. They work in retail companies. They work in healthcare companies. They work in transportation. They work in higher education. They have complex businesses. So I constantly have to ask myself, if you're approaching these organizations to help provide a solution that's going to help them solve a problem, how am I modeling who I serve? How do you connect with those who you serve? How do you build relationship? How do you commune? How do you, how do you connect? <laughs> how do you build, build the rapport, right? And then number three, how do you involve who you serve? So some of my clients like to play golf. 
Some like to play tennis. Some like to ride bikes. How can I be intentional about how I involve those people and meet them where they are? Mm. And your employees need the same thing from you. And so everything we talked about today was intentionally discussed because safety and security leaders do not need your chief diversity officer or your human resources, employee relations partner. You don't need those two people to do the things that we talked about today. Those are literally fundamental skills that should be coming from you as a leader and because you care about your people. Fantastic. We always like to give actionable advice to folks. So what's something that safety and security professionals can do immediately right after they listen to this podcast to begin making an impact on their organizations? So if you text the word ASFALIS, A-S-F-A-L-I-S to 33777, you will get an actionable download and a blueprint for you to fill out. Perfect. Thank you so much. Well, Vanessa, I appreciate you being on the show today. I really enjoyed the conversation. As always, you make me think of things that I didn't think about before. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Where can our audience connect with you? Well, two ways. One, you can subscribe to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast. Anywhere where you access and download a podcast, you can also connect with me on social media. I'm at Vanessa V. Matthews with one T on LinkedIn and Twitter. Well, thanks again, Vanessa. And thanks to you, our listener, for joining us on the Employee Safety Podcast. Please rate and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.